podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Let's get ready to rumble! Hello and welcome to Face Off. I'm your host as ever, Guy Drinkle, and we are covering the Liverpool 1 Huddersfield nil match that took part on Saturday. This is the Sunday. Um, and joining me is co-host, or my co-host, of the One Up podcast, Carl. How are you doing, Carl? Not too bad, Guy. How about yourself? I'm good, man. I'm good, man. This is your first podcast on AI about football, I believe. It is, and uh, as I, I had a bit of an interaction yesterday with uh, Joe Cuzzy on on uh, Twitter, and as I said, isn't it unfortunate that my first game had to come after such a performance? But <laughs> what can you do? We have to review them all. Yeah, absolutely. And the Huddersfield fan joining us is Freddie Cocker. How are you doing, Freddie? I'm well, thanks, guy. How are you? How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. So, as with every show, we start off with the starting 11s, and Freddie, I'll start with you, because I think yours was a little less experimental than Liverpool's, so was there anything out of the ordinary with Huddersfield lineup? Um, I don't think so, I think with the, with the, we were expecting a back four, uh, and we were expecting, um, you know, Derm and Lerva both to start, we were expecting Schindler and Zanka to partner in defence, and Lursel. The the only interesting thing was playing Hadij and I, so that that basically meant we had three uh, um, fullbacks on pitch. Uh, Hadij and I sort of played as a bit of a wing back, and Derm ended up playing as a bit of a wing back as well. We didn't actually play with any natural wingers. Mm. We dropped both our wingers that we had previously played in a four three three. So that was the only real surprise. Um, the fact that we kept Moy and Billing and Hogg wasn't too much of a surprise, and obviously we had Departure and Pritchard up front. So it. I didn't. I couldn't really figure out exactly what the formation was. It was sort of a four-four-two, but there was a sort of a variation of that that I couldn't pick out. Yeah, it looked like you were kind of changing between three and four at times, wasn't it? Mm. Uh, at the back, it, it was. I, I think you played similar against Man City, if I remember correctly, didn't you? You played three at the back then. Yes, we did. We had we had three centre backs. Uh, during that game, I believe, because we had Stankovic and Schindler and Zanka, mm. but he ended up moving Stankovic into central midfield to sort of match the formation that Man City had played because they switched formation, I think, like an hour before kickoff. Yeah. Um, but it was, yeah, you're right. It was basically a, it was basically a four-four-two because Pritchard uh, played off the Quattro, but there was probably a bit of a, you know, a Wagner tinkering there somewhere that I couldn't pick <laughs> out on the. Dirt. Yeah, and, and and speaking about tinkering, Carl, <laughs> well, what did you make of this very, very, very weird Liverpool lineup? Um, I, I mean, it, it certainly was that. I mean, obviously in the the week up to the game, we we heard a lot about injuries, um, but but we know ourselves, Klopp likes to to play injuries up, as I think Wagner put it, you know, a bit of mind games, um, and so. I didn't expect every one of the players to, to be injured that that was kind of been mooted in midweek. And I, I think it kind of played as expected in regards to the injuries. You know, Mane with the, just having surgery and, and having missed training, obviously he wasn't going to play. And similarly, Kaita having been carried off with a, a hamstring injury. But I, I did have my suspicions that Salah and Van Dyke and Milner would all make it, which they did. But that didn't seem to be where the surprises came from. It, it, it came in the form of the, the selections, both, both in terms of uh, defence and midfield. I mean, the, the inclusion of Adam Lallana was, you know, surprising, doesn't even cover it, to be honest. Um, and similarly, I think Lovren, despite his decent performance against Man City, I was hoping that, that we would revert back to um, the tried and tested Joe Gomez and Van Dijk that, that had kind of not put a foot wrong so far in the season. So it was surprising that it, that he kept Gomez at, at right back and went with the midfield that he did, uh, considering, you know, Milner's kind of dip in form and also having a knock, which obviously in the game, Klopp indicated that the knock, he felt something and that's why he had to come off again. So it, it was certainly a risk with the, the midfield that Klopp went with. Yeah, absolutely. And even more shocking is that Lallana 
ended up playing on the left wing and Shakiri was kind of the one in midfield. But we'll we'll come to that in a bit because I mean that's probably one of the biggest talking points from the game. Um, but Freddie, I, I'll come to you with the start of the game. Um, how do you how do you think Huddersfield started? Because I mean I think Liverpool well last season more so than this season Liverpool have been famed for this quick start. But Huddersfield team uh, handle handle themselves very well in, in my opinion. Impressed you very high, so we haven't done against any top six team this season. Um, we battled really hard. We pressured some of your midfielders into mistakes. We didn't let the centre backs have any time on the ball, very little time on the ball. Gomez, um, we pressured quite a lot. Uh, Allison wasn't um, able to sort of dink sort of footballs across, you know, uh, halfway across the pitch like he mm. normally can. So that I was really sort of impressed with that. Uh, unfortunately, match today didn't show any of that. They sort of skipped to the first twenty, the, <laughs> the twenty fourth minute when we scored as they normally do with our our games. So, yeah, I was really, really impressed. And it was just very unfortunate that the uh, first chance you had, you were very clinical. Derm and Billing both dropped off Shakiri. They forgot where he was. He turned nicely and he played Salah in who clinically finished. And um, you, you can't really legislate for that, really. Um, it's just one of those lapses in concentration that we had. And it was the only big one that we had in the game. Uh, but I was very, very impressed with the first, like, the first 20 minutes and, and most of the game, to be honest, definitely. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Carl, for that first twenty odd minutes before the goal, what, what did you make of the game? Because uh, as bad as it may seem, obviously the Liverpool fan base is obviously very confident with our start, and we, we've been looking forward to an easier fixture. Not to be disrespectful, but what what did you make of the start? We came out a bit nervy, I thought. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, we we looked a bit uh, lackluster and a, a little bit disjointed. It, it reminded me somewhat of the uh, the Chelsea game there in the League Cup, the first half, where we'd made a lot of changes and and you could kind of see that certain players hadn't played together. There was, there was kind of a lack of understanding. You know, kind of moves were breaking down. There were moments, kind of individual. You know, one or two nice passes by Shakiri, uh, Sturridge as well. Um, I think at one point Lalana had a, a nice little combination with Shakiri, but it, it just seemed to be breaking down with the, the final pass, as has often been the story this season. But at the same time, you, you can't take anything away from Huddersfield. You know, they were forcing us into mistakes. I mean, the, the pressing, especially from their midfield, from Billing and, and Moy and uh, Hogg putting the foot in, you know, they, they weren't allowing kind of Milner and, and Henderson any time on the ball. Um, so, so you have to credit them for it. So I think it was kind of a combination of, of sloppiness from our players and, and kind of a lack of understanding as well as a, an excellent work rate from, from Huddersfield. Yeah, and Freddie, you mentioned um, that Billing and uh, I think you mentioned Hogg may have went asleep slightly on the goal, but I was highly impressed, especially with Billing. But mm. if we go through your midfield, I mean, obviously Aaron Moy is one of your key players. Uh, I think mm. Hogg's a bit of a... Uh, long-standing player, isn't he? And um, and Billing. So, what did you make of the midfield? Because I've listened to yeah, a couple of our podcasts, excellent. and yeah, Billings yeah. came a lot with got a lot of plaudits from some of our fans. Mm. So, so, so Billing, Hogg, and Moy um, were excellent. I thought. I thought Billing was the most outstanding player of all of them. So, Billing is a player that we've had since he was about fifteen on fourteen, fifteen. We bought him from a from a um, a very small sort of Danish club. I can't remember what they were, what name the name of it was. Um, but he has got everything in his locker to be a top class Premier League player, possibly can play for a top six club if he wants to be. He's athletic, he's tall, um, he's got a ridiculously good shot on him and didn't, didn't, doesn't shoot enough for me personally. Um, but that's maybe a confidence thing. Um, but he never had quite reached the consistency levels that we were hoping for him to do. But I think, especially this season, he's now turned into a man. He's, he's put in consistent performance after consistent performance and he's, pretty much been our best player so far this season. Um, unfortunately, it was him and, and Eric Derm who lost Shakiri for the goal. But other than that, he was faultless. Um, I thought he, he, he bossed a lot of the game in midfield. He was spraying, you know, 60-yard passes out to our wings to start uh, chances. So I was really impressed with all of them. Um, yeah, I've got, I've got not, not really got much complaints about the midfield at all. I think it was just, again, you know, one defensive uh, lapse in concentration cost us and you punished us for it. It was a good finish. Yeah, I, I want to ask you about Moy because he's probably one of the one who caught the eye from you last season. I mean, is he is he mm. continued his form from from last season that helped keep you up? Uh, so he in the first half of the season last season he started off like a house on fire, like we we like the whole of our team did. 
but he I sort of after the Watford game we won four one his his form dipped uh, massively and he wasn't really reaching the levels that we know he can obviously that's a very high bar but um, he didn't really recover his form until quite late on in the season um, ironically probably around the Watford home games uh, to be honest um, so then his form picked up I think this season he's probably been at a very decent level um, unfortunately a lot of the time because a lot of our fullbacks can't cross a ball. He's looked to as the source to cross a ball a lot of the time, so a lot of pressure is put on him for set pieces, um, which I think is a bit unfair. But yeah, he's been a, he's been a fairly good he's been at a fairly good level. But I think Billing is for me has has um, has really come on leaps and bounds. He's probably been our best player. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I quite found it interesting that you mentioned that Billing may have top six potential. I mean, is that is that a leap that you think he may need another level or two to do that, or do you think? Um, he might stick with Huddersfield for a couple of years or go on a middle-ish club, uh, if you get what I mean. I think, I think obviously, it's, it's this is the first season that he's really reached that sort of level of consistency game after game. So I wouldn't advise him, to, if I was you know Wagner, I wouldn't be advising him to jump ship straight away. Yeah. I'd like him to start adding more goals to his game. He's obviously scored against Everton uh, this season with a header, which is ironic because we never knew he could really head a ball that well. And then he scores from a corner, even though he's six foot four. I was going to um, say he's at least eight foot two, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ironically, though, he was never really good with his head that much for some reason. I think it's one of those weird sort of paradoxes. Um, but yeah, if he if he continues to add goals to his game, if he continues to uh, add assists to his game, then I think he can reach that next level. Uh, I I do agree with you. I think there's a level or two sort of in between where he is now and then to be a top six player. But I certainly think he's capable of doing that. I think alongside him and, and Congolo and Schindler. I think those three players are probably the most likely players um, in our squad if they were to be picked up by a top six team to perform an excel within them. Yeah, that's quite interesting. We'll come to, we'll come to the defence in a bit because it was, it was one of them games where the defence was quite good uh, for both teams. Um, but, Carl, in, in terms of our midfield, I mean, we mentioned uh, the start in 11. Obviously, we've got Hendo, uh Milner and uh, what was Shakiri uh, when when we actually kicked off? I mean, what what did you make of the midfield? And were you surprised that Lalana wasn't in there instead of Shakiri? Yeah, honestly, I mean, you know, guy from from talking to me over over the the years that that um, I'm I'm kind of have a little bit more time for Lalana than than most fans, but you know that that's within some specifications, and in that it it is that when he's playing in that midfield. Um, I've never really been much of a fan of him, at least in a Liverpool shirt when he, he plays out wide. I think it, he gets a bit too much time on the ball, which which tends to lead to some stupid kind of turns or, or needless extra touches. Um, you know, I, I rather him in the midfield where he has less time to think and, and can more play on instinct. So I was very surprised to, to see him out wide, you know, less so to see Shakiri central because, you know, we can see Shakiri has played well for us there at, at times when he's featured this season. And, and, you know, he, he is one of our better players when it, it play, comes to playing true balls and the like, uh, which can be good for getting the best out of the likes of Salah, which we did see with the goal. Um, but it was surprising to see Lalana's inclusion to come on the wing because it's never been his, his best position for us, especially under, under Jurgen Klopp. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's. I think that midfield has been called the Brexit midfield. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but what what did you make of the two thirds of the Brexit midfield? Shall we say in in Henderson and Milner? I mean, Milner's obviously just came off a um, a hamstring injury. He looked still a bit buggered to me, and Henderson just looked like Henderson to me. Yeah, I, I mean, with both players, you know what I mean. They're 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 good players for me and they're, they're good players to have in the squad um obviously Milner started the season excellently I, th- I think in the first three games you, you could probably argue he was our best player but you know we have to be wary of, of Milner's age you know what I mean I, I know the drinking Ribena rather than pints means he's probably not quite comparable to most players his age but at the same time he is that age you know, he can't play every game at at 100%, especially with the, the amount of running he does. So I, I think he, he needs to be rotated somewhat. And, and we did see in kind of latter games, he, he had burned out somewhat and his form dipped as a result. And of course, then picking up the knock isn't going to help things. So I was very surprised that, that he wasn't kind of one of the ones considered for a rest for this game. 
Um, whereas with, with Henderson, I think Klopp had done really well with managing, kind of rotating him in and out with um, Keita. Um, but, you know, I hate when Henderson goes away with England. I hate when any of our players go away with England because I don't think the England setup often play, pay them quite as, as much care as, as, um, like our own staff do. I think that um, was just Hodgson, to be honest. He used to injure. I think he found <laughs> yeah. it personal, personal mission to injure Sturridge. <laughs> quite positive, yeah. but I think, nonetheless. I think Southgate's a bit, 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 bit different now. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so I just, to play both of them in the, in the game, I was just surprised. I, I thought one of them might, be, or both possibly could have, could have been left out with, with Wijnaldum and, and Fabinho starting, mm. uh, who I'm sure we'll get onto those two later. But, um, it, it was kind of a, a surprise selection and I think we suffered for it because, you know, uh, I, I, no excuses. Huddersfield dominated that, that midfield for, for large parts of the first half. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think it, it's best now to talk about the the goal. And Carl, I'll, I'll stick with you. Obviously, we see. I think it's Gomez who starts it off, and we've seen him play out from the back, whether he's been at right back or centre back. Um, and then we see Shakiri, nice turn, nice pass. And then, how important is it that Salah's back in the goals? Exactly. I mean, there's three excellent kind of parts to this goal. There, you know, first Gomez is pass which takes two players instantly out of the game Shakiri's turn and and again his incisive ball which, which finds Salah and you know on first sight people might have thought it, it's an easy finish for Salah but it wasn't an easy finish at all as um it, it was an excellent finish and you know he has been you know some people have played up his, his dip and form a bit much but at the same time no one's going to deny that he, he hasn't been quite the player we've seen last season you know he, he hasn't been quite as lethal um so it was great to, to see him kind of show his instincts in, in front of goal and hopefully that that you know getting the winning goal will help him get get more confidence and, and get back to himself freddie you've already mentioned uh, a couple of midfields are a bit lackadaisical um and obviously i thought schindler could have got a bit tighter at salah but obviously salah yeah, the quickest yeah. players in the league but but what, what was your take on the goal yeah, so I, I don't attribute massive amount of blame. It's certainly not a horrendous goal to concede like we have been doing in previous games. The Leicester we conceded, you know, a horrendous counter-attack goal and the most counter-attacking team in the league. Um, it was just a case of, you know, switching off for that split second. You know, Billing and Derm don't realise that Shakiri's just dropped off them into that pocket of space. Shakiri turns quite nicely. He slips that Salah in. Schindler's just a little bit not quick enough um, to close him down. And he finishes it expertly. And, we you know, you can't really argue too much against it I said to my dad before the game you know it would be typical town for Salah to go through this so-called malaise um at the start of the season and for us to be the team that gives him that goal and the and the kick up the backside and the boost that he needs to go on and score at 20 odd goals this season or something so it, it was funny to have that prediction come true but yeah I've not I've not got you know a massive amount of um problems with the goal itself it was just a well-worked goal and we we switched off for that split second that you can't do against top six teams yeah, I think I think that's just it. As you said, Salah is probably due a goal. But you kind of took a bit of a, a question into this when I put it in the when I DM'd it. And I said when Hog hit the post, it, it seemed to wake up and inspire Huddersfield a bit. I mean, I thought they played well, but after this, I thought they you you lot just stepped it up another gear. I mean, what what? Firstly, what did you make of the shot, and then what did you think about afterwards? Um. I sort of, yeah, I do agree with you in the sense that maybe we stepped up a level, but I wouldn't say, I wouldn't go as far as to say it sort of woke us up, because that would imply we were mm. sort of sleeping from the start, um, which I think would be a bit unfair. But mm-hmm. yeah, uh, Hogg, he is the most unlikely player to have, be having a shot from, from that <laughs> distance. Um, and it sort of says a lot that he's the one to be taking a shot when a lot of our players don't seem to want to shoot when they get 20 yards out, which has been our, one of our biggest frustrations as town fans. We seem to get scared when we get in those goal scoring positions we want to sort of lay it off for a cross we want to pass it again and players aren't taking enough risks for us so I think when it fell to Hog we just we just thought just hit it just have a go and see what happens you know town fans will never begrudge a player if he decides to shoot we'll always applaud even if it goes miles over the bar but as long as he has a go then we're fine um, but yeah I think he's probably the best shot whoever you know whoever hits in his life and it was just ridiculously unlucky that he hit the post um, and you know that element of luck is um, not isn't you know we're not getting it at the moment. Um, the, the the offside goal that was borderline because did it 
did it come off Lalana? Did it come off Hog? And um, the chance for Munier and you know the handball, we'll go on, which we'll touch on later and stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, we're just not getting that luck at the moment, unfortunately. Yeah, I could I could see throughout the game you were um, inches, if not centimeters, away from scoring goals. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. And Allison was close to it. <laughs> but uh, we, we'll never know. But um, Carl, obviously after our goal, we seem to just not really do anything else in the, in this half. I mean, how, how worrying is that that we seem to just go to sleep after the goal? Yeah, I mean, it, it was surprising somewhat because you know we discussed the start of the match. Obviously, we, we were a little sloppy. Huddersfield were quite energetic, and um, but but despite that, I, I wasn't too concerned because I thought. We'll, we'll, we'll have a moment of brilliance. We'll get a goal. Huddersfield will probably drop the head somewhat and we'll take some control. And when we scored, I, I thought, here we go. But it, it never came. You know what I mean? We didn't seem to take any confidence from the, the goal. And, and whereas Huddersfield, credit to them, they never dropped the head. And I think it was moments in the game that kind of gave them that, that impotence to, to keep going. I think there was a moment like where De Potra close down Allison, which, you know, it's not the first time we've seen that happen this season, but, um, you know, with, with Allison taking the touch at the back, but, you know, Depotra De does that, remember his goal against Chelsea, a, a goal we, we celebrated like as if it was scored from one of our own last season. <laughs> um, that, that's what he does. He, <laughs> you know, it, it, that, that's it though. He, he puts so much in Depotra and, and he, I think he, he was harrowing Allison and, and Lovren and, uh, Van Dijk somewhat it's it's hard to harrow Van Dyke, but he tried. Um, you know, and it's things like that that kept Huddersfield going. And of course, as you discussed, the the hog hitting the post, I, I think that that gave them that little bit more belief. If that was inches to their side, that, that may have been a goal. Um, and you know, it was those kind of things that kept them going. And and that's why Huddersfield, it was as, it may as well have been as if the goal never happened. They, you know, Huddersfield got in in some quite dangerous positions you know i think it was um i'm gonna butcher this but hadder gonage hadder and i yeah he got in some really dangerous positions out on the on the I, in I've the white area that name carl so don't worry about it yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh he, he got in some very dangerous positions out in in white areas and had the final ball been a little better uh who knows what could have happened um, but but certainly, you know, you have to to credit Huddersfield as much as I have to bemoan Liverpool for their their our lack of of um kind of impotence. Uh, you you have to um credit Huddersfield because they they never gave in. Their their fans never gave in. Their their players never dropped a head. Um, you know, the the goal didn't phase them at all. And and you you have to credit them for that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I thought I just feel but we're we're pretty great throughout to be fair. But um in terms of moments in the first half and probably the game, this is probably the biggest um one, especially from a Huddersfield point of view. Um so Carl, I'll start with you on the handball, uh, which obviously then turned into the offside goal. I put a question mark in. We can discuss that. But let's let's just focus on the handball for a bit. Um so Carl we know refereeing in, in the Premier League's not great. Um, but I thought the fact that it came off Milner's um, thigh and then onto his arm, it kind of made it not a handball. But what did you make of it? No, I, I'd agree with you completely. I mean, if you lift your thigh, your arm is naturally going to move somewhat as well. And you can see, like, that it's a very small gap between his arm and his, his thigh. That That is a natural arm movement. And even despite that, he does try and move his arm out of the way. You know, I don't think that there's anything that Milner could have done. Um, I mean, and I think the the referee, you know, as you said, we we do um, tend to have a lot of criticism for referees, but I thought the referee had an excellent game, and I thought he got that decision correct. Um, as you said, we we will come on to the offside goal um, next, and and maybe there's more to say about that. But I do think in this instance, the the referee got the decision correct. And Freddie, your your view on the handball incident? Uh, so I initially didn't see it because where I am, uh, where I'm, where my seat is, it's quite near the penalty area of the mm-hmm. other, uh, in the other box. But uh, after replay, it's a pen. It's such a blatant pen. I mean, I can't complain too much because you know these handball decisions, they can be. It's it's completely subjective. But he doesn't. He's not got his hand behind his back. First of all, when he's trying to block the shot, as every player should. 
Um, so for me, it's an unnatural arm movement. Um, the fact that he hits his thigh and then hits his arm, I don't really, I don't really buy that reasoning. Um, because at the end of the day, his arm is, is, is out to the side, to the, to his side. It's not behind his mm-hmm. back. Um, and I think, I think Oliver got it wrong. And the fact that match of the day said Oliver was playing advantage. I don't know if, if yeah. that is true, but <laughs> I don't know how you can play advantage for a penalty uh, because we didn't do anything with the chance afterwards. So, so for me, it was a pen. Uh, these are the calls that you don't really get um, when you're playing a top six club, unfortunately. So for me, it was a penalty. Uh, obviously, we can talk about the offside goal as well, um, which I think was more borderline for me personally. I think that's more um, sort of, is it? does it come off whose head? I think that's much more of a tough call, mm-hmm. especially for the linesman and for the ref. But the penalty, he's got a good view of it for me. Like, I always ask this question when I talk to like my mates about it. I said, if, if you were the opposition fan, or you were, or you were me, would you claim that? Oh yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> yeah, but it's a weird one. I mean, obviously we're disagreeing with you, but obviously the bias is, uh, obviously natural here. Um, but I think that for me the problem is, Nobody knows the handball rule. <laughs> yeah, it's garbage. I, for yeah. me, it just needs to change. It needs to be, if, you, if it hits your hand, it's a penalty because the amount of times that we've had a, a, you know, a handball like that go against us and, you know, refs in this, this division seem to be quicker than anything to give a decision against us. I mean, we had, um, we played Spurs and Danny Rose just blatantly dives for a pen and falls over really theatrically. But if our player had done that, he would have probably been booked for diving, and, and rightfully so. So it's just it's just very frustrating to see these sort of decisions go against you, especially when you're playing quite well as well. It's not as if we played shockingly and, you know, we were lucky to get um, sort of one-nilled. Um, you know, we played really well and we deserved a draw. So, yeah, it is very frustrating. All right, then. Uh, Kyle, were you going to say something now? Yeah, no, I, I think... It it is very much you know as I said I I have my opinion on the matter but at the same time it is certainly debatable I mean to sum it up I I watched the the match um on the the stream I was watching it was Lee Dixon was uh, commentating and he was convinced it was a penalty however when they went back in studio the two pundits both said it wasn't a penalty because it hit his thigh and it's a natural arm movement and similarly on the when I was watching extended highlights today before the podcast. The commentator said he didn't think it was a penalty because, again, it hit the tie. So you can take kind of both views. His, his arm was was raised. It's a penalty. His arm was raised because of his tie and it hit his tie first. It's not a penalty. It, it does seem like the, the rule needs a, a bit more clarification, mm-hmm. certainly. Yes, I agree on that, definitely. And the funny thing is, this is our one good referee in the Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but uh, anyway, we'll move on to the other half of this in- incident. And and Freddie, um, you've mentioned it a couple times um, with the Pritchard, was it? Uh, disallowed yes, goal. Yes, yeah. um, yeah, So we'll start. We'll start off with the actual offside, and we'll come to the um, head who ha- whose head it came off. Because I hadn't, I hadn't even thought about that. Because as you said, much of the day's coverage was pretty bad, and they didn't even talk about it. <laughs> yep, <laughs> even did, even exactly. did BT, I think. Um, so. When I first saw it, I thought he was onside, if I'm honest, but then I looked back and it it, it depends what part you're... Well, again, similar with the handball room, nobody knows the offside rule, um, but it seemed like his um, arm was... or his head was uh, offside, or his arm or his shoulder was offside. I mean, what, what did you... What did you think of it? it very yeah, hard, I mean, if, if you're a Liverpool fan, you probably say it's offside, and if you're a Huddersfield fan, you probably say it's onside. Um, for me, if I have to be try and be objective as possible, I think it is probably offside, but mm. it's one of those fine margin calls that sometimes you get and sometimes you don't, and unfortunately, we normally don't get them, and we normally get them seen given against us. Uh, last season, we had a very similar incident where we played Leicester, and one of our wingers, Elias Kachunga, um, was sort of uh, let's just say his sock was offside and he wasn't <laughs> given, he wasn't given, uh, the goal that he scored. Um, it probably was right that he was offside, but again, like these are tiny, tiny margins and unfortunately we aren't getting there up at the green with them. Um, so yeah, I, I, I do think it probably was the right call for the offside itself if you're being very, very technical um, and not giving benefit of doubt to the attackers, which you normally should do, I think. Um, I think that went but, out the window a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Um, but I think regarding the the header, 
again, it's the if you're a Liverpool fan, you say it comes off Hogg, and if you're a Huddersfield fan, you say it comes off Lallana. I think it probably comes off both of them mm-hmm. almost at the same time. I think it's I don't know if that actually makes sense, but it sort of comes off both of them. And again, you know, it, it goes through to Pritchard. It's a very good finish, but it's just one of those it's one of those things with luck. And unfortunately, we didn't get it. So I think it personally should have should have stood because I think. It came off Lana, but again, you know, um, Liverpool fans have a different perspective, and that's fine because again, it's such a it's just it's such a tight call. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was very, it was very, it was a bit of a messy situation. From it was a difficult one for the refs and for the and yeah, for the exactly. fans. Um, but Carl, what was your your thoughts on the entire situation then? Honestly, in regards to the header um, on the coverage I was watching, they didn't really make anything mm. of the header, so I, I didn't notice that myself. Um, you know, I, I suppose at the time in the game, I, I probably just assumed it came off a Huddersfield head, um, but I, I didn't really notice that in the replay. However, in terms of the actual was he onside or offside, I think he was onside because on my understanding it is based on your feet placement rather than your body however i can understand why because they they seem level ish um but the, the huddersfield player was kind of leaning forward you know that's the view that the, the linesman is getting if he had the benefit of um a replay you know if, if we're talking video evidence i, I think he, he probably sees he's offside onside and the goal stands however we don't, obviously we don't have VAR in, in the Premier League. It was voted against. Um, and I think if the linesman gets that decision correct, you know, from just blind sight, you know, I say give, give that guy a medal. He's the best linesman in the world for seeing that, you know, because it was such, so difficult to see it. You know, we have to realize this is happening in real time. You know, it, it's difficult to make these calls. So I don't, I don't, blame him. I, I wouldn't give him any criticism for not seeing that the Huddersfield player was onside. It's a difficult call to make. Um, so, you know, although I think he got it wrong, you know, we have the benefit of, of being able to see replays. He, he didn't, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, v- I think VAR can't consider enough. Um, well, 100% I'll, I'll, agree. Yeah. Uh, maybe not for Liverpool this season, but I'll ask you this, Carl. Um, obviously, last season, we were very, well, from, from our point of view, I imagine we thought the referees were very, very against us. I think every club thinks the referees are against us. But I think there was one of them studies that showed the referees were were very out of favour with Liverpool. But this season, it seems very different, and it seems to have gone full uh, 180. And now, now, we are getting a lot of luck. Whether whether this was onside or offside, or if it came off the line or not, you need a bit of luck to get these 50-50 decisions. We've seen, we've had that offside goal against West Ham, the Spurs penalty, let's be honest, Man City should have had at least one other penalty and missed one. Um, but are we using up too much luck too soon? <laughs> Yeah, we we have had a, a little bit of luck. Um, you know, the the as you said, the Palace offside goal is is a, is a, a notable example. And and then of course last week, um, the or not last week, but the last game, obviously when when Lovren kind of panicked when when Gomez hacked the ball back into his own box, which you know, uh, people I thought people were somewhat harsh on Lovren at the time because you don't expect your fullback to break mm-hmm. one of the the first rules of defending, which is don't hack it into your own box. But uh, nonetheless, Lovren does kick Aguero, and, and credit to Aguero, he doesn't really make anything of it, and he just gets gets back up and and gets on, and and that's probably what saved Lovren. Um, but we we have had a little bit of luck. Um, as I said. I wouldn't quite say I, in my opinion, anyway. Obviously, I'm biased, but I don't think we were lucky yesterday because, as I said, I don't think the Milner was a handball. And although, as I said, it was mm-hmm. offside, we don't have VAR, so it's easy to say if we had VAR. But there isn't VAR, and if that linesman made that call, he'd be the best linesman in the world. You know what I mean? It, because it was any any linesman was probably going to make the same call given the situation so you know I, I don't think there was luck but certainly we have had some luck and and you know as a Liverpool fan again with my bias I'm, I'm glad to see it because last season I think we had a statistic at one point where Spurs had had more penalties at Liverpool or at, Anf- at Anfield than Liverpool had so that said it all yeah I remember that statistic that was a that was sad times but uh, I think we've covered the first half quite well there I mean it was probably 
very eventful with uh, the the stuff at the, towards the end of the half. So, Carl, I'll have to stick with you because obviously we made a, a half-time substitute with Ginny coming on for Henderson. Um, I think they said a tight hamstring, but I mean, it, was Henderson that bad he was worth taking off, or do you genuinely think he was injured? Um, I, I think it was probably a, a bit of both. Um, I mean, he, he did look to, to slow down a bit um, in, in the match, so I'm not surprised he picked up a knock, but at the same time, a, a tactical switch was, was needed. We, we were getting destroyed in the, the centre of the park, and you could have subbed off anyone mm-hmm. um, at that point. My preference probably would have been to, to take Lalana off and um, move Shakiri out wide, um, but but nonetheless, Genie had to come on. Genie's been one of our best players this season, and again in in the match when he came on, it, it took him a few maybe five ten minutes to adapt to the pace of the game. But you know once he got going, he was a, a lot of people were calling him their man of the match, which for Liverpool anyway, which, which says it all. I mean he he did make somewhat of a difference and, and give us a little bit more control in that midfield. I mean he brought some. You know, at least he was calm and was able to get a, a few passes away. You know, so I, I think it was a, a necessary tactical change. Yeah, absolutely, I, I agree. Yeah, the midfield definitely needed tweaking there, but um, obviously we covered the first half, and the, and the second half is a bit more eventful in terms of the attacking sense, uh, especially for Huddersfield. Um, but oh, Freddie, you've obviously struggled with goals and stuff like that, and we've talked about um, De Potter being. Agricultural is that the right word? Um, yeah, that's what he works as. Yeah. yeah, he I works as. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. He's bloody massive. <laughs> <laughs> um, how do you think De Potra did in this game? And obviously Pritchard was kind of played as a, a, a nine and a half slash a ten. He was just very up there. How do you think the forward line did? And is there any players that you think could improve it in the in the general scheme of things? You've obviously got a, a lot of young wingers and uh, tens and stuff like that. Um. So I thought Departure had a really good game. I thought he worked his socks off. I thought Pritchard had a really good game, considering that um, it, what little they had to work on. Um, considering we didn't we, we didn't play natural wingers, I thought both our fullbacks um, got up and down the wing very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, Hadis and I um, has been fairly poor this season. Um, I love the lad; he's a really good lad. He was quite good for us last season, but his crossing has been very very poor, um, and that's where we struggle to take advantage of. Of, of the positive play that we had, we were delivering again. That's been our problem all season. We haven't our crosses haven't been good enough. But I do think Departure and Pritchard played really well. As regards to you know your comment about wingers, we we bought three. So we bought Adama Diakabi from Monaco. We bought um, Isaac and Benzo on loan from Montpellier, and we bought Ramadan Sobi, who hasn't played. I think he's played like 20 minutes or something against Man City as a sub. We haven't seen him all season. I think from injury or something. Um, so we have bought wingers to try and supplement our you know our creativity and and assist gap but unfortunately just hasn't been happening for us uh the you know the thing you need in a game against a top six club you need um you need luck which we didn't have you need your team to overperform which i think we did fairly fairly well i think you need uh the top six club to underperform um which i think it's probably fair to say you did but you also need to take your chances and the chances we get we didn't take and that's been the story of our season yeah, absolutely. And and Carl, from our point of view, in in, in the forwards, obviously we had um, Sturridge and she, well, Sturridge, Lalana and Salah playing up front. I mean, how how do you think they did? And in terms of their long term season, what what do you think the roles will be? You kind of have to take them individually. I, I thought Sturridge, you know, had another good game. I mean, obviously he didn't get a goal, um, but. To be honest, the service wasn't great to him, but but there were some nice times he, he played balls to Salah that he probably should have done better with. Um, likewise to Lalana, um, and also again as as Klopp has made it his business to, to praise him multiple times this season, he has been working harder than than ever before under Klopp. Um, so, so I think Sturridge, I, I couldn't have asked too much more from uh, Salah. Kind of a mixed bag. I mean, the, the goal was was brilliant. There was another time as well where he put a dangerous ball into the the back post and and Lalana nearly just about kind of could have maybe done a little bit better with it, the header, um. But aside from that, I think it, it was another frustrating performance from Salah. I mean, in, in the second half, you know, he, he had a, a great chance to to play 
Firmino in. And, and last season, nine times out of ten, he plays the perfect ball into Firmino. Firmino takes a touch and it's 2-0 Liverpool, you know. But it, it just, the ball was was awful. I, I think in Klopp's posting, he said we played some some uh, average passes. And I was like, that's been kind. And he was like, rubbish passes. And that's more like a Klopp, you know. And and that was really the the story of, of much of the game for us. We, we didn't really create much. The, the only real danger moment in the second half was... Salah got in behind and, and he just, his shot went just wide. But other than that, there, there wasn't too much danger. And that, that, that is a concern because the, the final ball just wasn't there. Uh, as for Adam Lallana, as we said, he, he just wasn't quite on it. There was an excellent turn, you know, one for the highlight reel where he, he won a foul and we, we wasted the result in free. There was, <laughs> and it went back to Gomez. <laughs> yeah. He basically, yeah. Um, I mean, there, there was a, a little bit of nice link up with, um, with, Shakiri at, at one point early in the half, um, and you know, with Lalani, you're you're gonna get some some nice moments here and there, and I think like as I said, I was watching it was Lee Dixon was commenting. He seems to be a big fan of Adam Lalana, and like he's he's very kind of vocal anytime Lalana played a nice pass or a nice turn here. There, and you're gonna get those moments. Must have been quiet was, then. <laughs> it, it it was just far too disjointed from him, and and I, I mean I texted my brother before the game, and like he's he's currently in in Japan, and I said. Um, you know, Lalana, anytime he comes back from injury, his first game is, is, he's always pants, to be honest. So it's hopefully he can book that trend, but he didn't, you know, and it's, it's, it's no surprise that, um, you know, he, he was eventually subbed off because he, he just wasn't on it, to, to, to be honest. Yeah, I'd fully agree with that. I think many people who've listened to AI know, know my feelings on Adam Lalana, so I won't go into that. Um, at all, really. But uh, before we get to the get to the subs, I mean, we see Depatra have a header. I think there just wasn't enough on the cross, and it didn't really trouble Allison. All we we see that more Salah chance, as you mentioned, Carl. Um, and then then we see a, a few subs which seem to impact the game in quite a big a big fashion. Um, as you said, Carl, we see Adam Lallana come off for Fabinho. We'll, we'll talk about his. I think it's his first Premier League appearance, if I remember correctly. And, Was it? And Huddersfield take off Flo <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, bring on M. Benzer, who's one of them young uh, wingers we mentioned earlier on, and Philip Billing, who was obviously one of the more impressive ones, which I, I kind of questioned him coming off, for uh, Steve Munier. Um, so, Freddie, I'll, I'll start with you. Um, <clears throat> M. Benzer seemed to come on and, and make a decent impact, but for me, Munier kind of showed just a lack of clinicalness, if, if, if that's a word. Yeah, so so I thought um, Flo coming off for Benzer was a bit of a strange one. Um, I didn't really see how Benzer would cover the defensive gap unless we moved uh, Durham back into right back and shifted Lerber across. Um, with Benzer, he has come on as you know in cameo appearances and done really well. He delivers first time crosses, which none of our players seem to be able to do. So that's always a breath of fresh air. Even if the crosses aren't always amazing, at least he does them first time. Mm. And it was his cross that eventually gave Munier the chance. With with Munier coming on, a lot of town fans really are getting quite frustrated with the fact that our only sort of plan B seems to be put Munier and Departure up top together when we're struggling in the game, which mm. never works. They both occupy the same space. They're both same. They're both you know similar sort of strikers. So what happens is they both got up for the, at one point they, I said to my dad, they're going to go up for the same header. And they both went up for the same header. And then the space that was left, the other one didn't fill. So th- that is just really frustrating. And I think we need to develop a new strategy around that. Um, but again, I can't knock it too much because it was Munier who got the chance. And if he had scored that, I would have been saying, well, it finally worked. The one game that we, we didn't want it to happen and it finally worked. So, you know, it's all hypotheticals. Um, but I was really surprised with Billing coming off. The only thing I could have thought was that he was maybe struggling with a with a with an injury or maybe just a slight knock and and Vardin didn't want to risk him. But I was very surprised by that, considering he was our best player. And what was um, what was frustrating was that when he came off, uh, we seemed a bit lost in midfield. You know, Moy was pressing quite high, and before that, Billing was the first point of contact between the midfield and the defence. He was constantly picking up the ball. Zanka and Shinder were constantly passing the ball, and he was dropping very deep to receive it and playing balls through the midfield or out wide. And when he came off, it was down to Hogg. And I love Johnny Hogg to bits. He's the true embodiment of a terrier. He's our captain. But he is very, very limited on the mm-hmm. ball. And a lot of times he would play a pass and he would have this sort of weird 
sort of wannabe Man City tippy-tappy between him and Zanka and then end up losing the ball. Um, <laughs> and you almost scored, I think, from it a couple of times if your final pass had been better. So that was really frustrating. Um, so I, it was a mixed bag with the subs, I definitely say. Yeah, I mean, that Mbenza seemed, he, he seemed to catch the eye for me because he seemed, I know he's a winger, but he did come on and play right back and just seemed to add yeah. a bit more directness um, to your attack. So he, he might be one to keep an eye on uh, potentially for, for other big clubs. Uh, I was like, he, well, he's Belgium, isn't he? That, that normally means you're going to be good at football. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, so, Carl, obviously we see Fabinho um, finally come on in a Premier League game. I mean, people... Uh, fans have been calling for this um, since the start of the season. How how do you think he did? Obviously, he went to the six and then Ginny uh, moved back to his normal position, if we can call that his normal position. Now, what did you make of Fabinho? Yeah, I, I thought he had a very positive impact on the game. You know, much like one album, I, I think he gave us more of a control in the midfield. And I think, um, you know, it may have been somewhat down to kind of um, Huddersfield going more direct and, and somewhat bypassing their midfield but nonetheless I, I thought when Fabinho came on you kind of marked when Liverpool were the the more in control team in terms of the middle of the park with, with Fabinho and Wijnaldum kind of doing well together I mean he put in a, an excellent challenge at one point uh, he, he was playing some, you know he, he was keeping it simple with his passing often but but he was making the passes which you can't say the same for, for Henderson and Milner at times in the first half so I think he had a positive impact. I had hoped he'd actually start the game. Um, unfortunately, that didn't happen. But but hopefully he'll start to get more minutes going forward, possibly with the, the game in midweek. And um, because he certainly did have a a positive impact on the team on the midfield, and, and I'd like to see what him and Fabinho, or him and Wayne Adam, apologies, could do as a, a kind of a a duo moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm really looking forward to Fabinho. I mean, we've only seen um, cameos and one start, haven't we? And I've been quietly impressed with him, and I'm I'm looking forward to see what what comes from him. Um, but probably the biggest moment of the second half, uh, Freddie. I'll, I'll start with you. We kind of mentioned it um, previously. Obviously, Mounier misses, just snatches at it. Really, the. the Poorly defended ball by Van Dijk and then Lovren tries to arse it away. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> but Mounier, Mounier just, he seems to lash it. I mean, it, it, does that just sum up its struggles in front of goal? Yeah, exactly. I think that's 100% fair to say. Um, obviously, there are mitigating circumstances. You know, Mounier and Departure have never thrived as being impact subs. It was the first chance he got. It was the only chance he got. Um, and it was one of those sort of instant chances he didn't have time to think about it or compose himself he just had to hit it um unfortunately he just snatched at it completely what you had to you had to do there was get over it um even if he hit it into the ground i think he could have mm. gone in and i think Lallison would have another chance to 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 get a hand to it um and something like that's ozil was really really good at he's hit, those hitting into the floor finishes that look like he's missed he scuffed it but he actually Be- beautifully scuffing it, it. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and he just scuffed it and he didn't even he didn't even wrap his foot around it so and that is the the biggest chance um we had i think it's probably fair to say and you with those chances against top six clubs you have to bury them you just have to you can't get you don't get better chances than that yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's easily the the best chance. But um, Carl, from our point of view, I mean, worrying signs. I mean, this is a couple of games in a row now. We've seen Van Dijk have, uh, well, very poor moments in the closing moments of the game. I mean, we'll touch on Lovren a bit more in the, in the grand scheme of things. But I mean, Van Dijk was just he just proper screwed that up, didn't he? Yeah, I, I think Van Dijk just got caught napping for for a moment. He was he was caught flat footed. The, the the ball went past him, and then Lovren. You know, I'm not going to say. I think some people were being incorrect. Like it was a mistake by Lovren, but I think you know in that moment, like what else is he going to do? I, I wouldn't have tried to do a little flick over a rainbow flick over my head with the ball. <laughs> Because what if he pulled it off? Then suddenly a ball's come flying over Lovren's head, um, and it, it's not going to clear the goal most likely because it wouldn't. He wouldn't have gotten the purchase on it. So then Allison suddenly has to deal with this ball coming from from a blind side. So I mean, I'm not sure it wasn't the right decision, but in, in that situation, it is difficult for for Lovren to react with his back to the ball. Um, 
you know, he didn't have the best of games, Lovin. It was, as you, you alluded earlier in the game, the, the posture was kind of harrying him a bit. And, uh, there was a, I remember there was a, well, everyone was misplacing passes first half, but Lovren from a center back, you know, they're the ones are most, and the goalkeeper, of course, are most accountable for kind of short passes. Mm. And, and especially Lovren, when we've seen Joe Gomez all season. <laughs> Yeah, so when Lovren gave it away at one point to, to, uh, a Huddersfield player in the first half, and, and luckily they, they wasted the ball as, as they did often in the, the, the first half. Um, I mean, I mean, that, that kind of in the first half, despite Huddersfield's kind of efforts, they never quite gave us any scares. I never thought they were going to score in the first half, the bar maybe hitting the post, uh, from, from range. But it, you know, this, this Mooney chance was, was the first time where I, I had my heart in my mouth and I, I thought, you know, this, this might be bad. But, you know, to, to be fair to him, you know, of course, I think Freddie summed it up. You probably, the better decision is to hit it into the ground and, and see what happens. But, you know, I, I'm not sure he even expected the, the ball to come to him in that situation. I think. That that speaks volumes for Van Dyke. You just expect him to cut everything out, even the opposition players. But hmm. you know, he, he reacted and he, he somewhat. I'd like to. It reminded me of Benteke, to be honest. Um, but uh, I don't think anyone's as bad as Benteke at the minute, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> he but, can't even get yeah, on the Palace bench. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They they don't even play a striker anymore. But I mean, you know. It, Obviously, if it's, if Mounier was a Liverpool player, though, I might be kind of somewhat on his back and expect a little bit more of him from from that chance because uh, when when chances come your way, you do have to take them. And it was just lucky for us that that uh, he he was somewhat caught unawares and uh, managed to hack it over. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, I've, we're nearly up to about an hour now, um, so I just want to finish up. Uh, by talking about um, the defence, because we've covered everything else. Um, Freddie, I'll start with you. You probably miss... Well, you're missing your... I think, is it your most expensive signing, Congolo? Yep, ever. Yeah. Um, you're obviously missing him, who's... Whenever I've watched, he seems to have caught the eye. Um, but how how do you think your defence did? Because that seems to be the, the strength in your team. I mean, we were talking earlier in the DMs about um, Schindler and, and Zanka. Um you seem to have a decent base there. Yeah, exactly. Um, Schindler and I think Zanka's form's not been as great as it was in the second half of last season. Mm-hmm. I think he came back from the World Cup maybe a little bit jaded and he didn't get off to the best start. So I think he's sort of a, getting back into form slowly. Um, but Schindler and Congolo for me are a class above most other centre-backs in this league outside the top six. Uh, it baffled me that no one came in for, even had a sniff um, of interest for Schindler. Uh, Congolo, I never thought in a million years we would get on, you know, signed permanently. Uh, so he's been a massive loss, but I think moving to a back four and the improved form of, of Eric Derm and Chris Lerva sort of mitigated that. So we don't have to play, a, um, three centre backs and a back five. Um, but yeah, I was, I was really impressed with the defence yesterday. Schindler covered, you know, a lot of ground like he normally does, won a lot of headers. I thought he dealt with Sturridge very well. Um, I thought that the fullbacks dealt with Salah as well as they could, obviously excluding the goal. Um, the, the chance that he had on the counter-attack, I think that was his only other real chance. I didn't really, mm-hmm. I can't really think of any other big moments that he had during the game that really worried me. I thought, oh God, Salah's going to just, you know, do three people here and, and score a 25-yarder. Um, so I was really impressed with the defence. You know, I've never been massively worried about the, the defence. We we have conceded some uncharacteristically sloppy goals in recent games, um, but I think we've sort of, we're beginning to tidy that up now. Um, but, yeah, the defence has been really good. The defence basically kept us up last season because I don't think we scored in about 17 of our games or something ridiculous. So a lot of the games we were winning by one goal margins like we did when we got promoted from the Championship. So yeah, the defence has never been something that I've been particularly worried about. It's always been our forward line. Yeah, yeah. From an outsider looking at it, it does look like that. Um, but Carl, probably a bit more debate in, in terms of our back line. Obviously, it's hard to criticise the back line too much with with um, the defensive record we got. I think we're still on three goals conceded, which is stupidly good. But in the last two ga- games, uh, I was going to almost do an Australia accent there. <laughs> in the last two games, um, we've seen a bit more panic in in, in the defence. I mean, is that completely down to the introduction of Lovren, or do you think maybe we're kind of showing signs of what we previously were? Um, I, I think. 
you know, it hasn't been. I, I wouldn't compare it to, to last season. I mean, it, it's still night and day in in terms mm-hmm. of defense. Even in these last two games, I just think it's you know we we'd had a settled back four. Um, now earlier in the season, I. I wasn't that impressed with the form of Trent. I mean, I love Trent mm-hmm. Alexander-Arnold. I think he has an excellent future, hopefully, as Liverpool for his career. But his form wasn't great, bar a couple of performances. PSG was excellent, has to be said, up against Neymar. But um, I was one who was calling for him to be dropped. You know, for a game, just just I think with younger players, you have to do it to, to kind of give them a, a little bit of a kick. Um but I was surprised when, when Klopp finally gave in and, and did leave him out that, that it was for love. And I, I expected Nathaniel Klein, my feature. I mean, mm. Klein for me had a, a decent preseason. Um, he was quite solid. And I know not every Liverpool player or fan is a fan of Klein, but I think he's serviceable. You know what I mean? He, he can sometimes, he doesn't do the most going forward, but he does what's needed at the back. So to bring in Lovren and, and kind of separate that, that, centre-back partnership as we alluded to at the start of the podcast you know it was quite surprising because don't get me wrong Joe Gomez I I thought he was arguably our man of the match against Man City I I thought he was one of our better players again yesterday but when he plays right back it's just he has those moments where where he can switch off because it's not his natural position Mm -hmm. we've seen it in the Man City game as we discussed earlier where he crossed it into his own box so I think it's just that disruption to, to the to the back four. In fact, back five, because you've got to include the keeper's understanding with the players in front of him in that as well, that somewhat has led to, to a, a disruption. Um, you know, as I said, Lovren wasn't perfect. There were a couple of moments where Depotra, he allowed Depotra to bully him. There was the bad decision for the, the Mounier chance. And as I said, there was a misplaced pass in, in the first half, which could have proved costly. So that fly tackle in the 90th minute nearly killed me. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but I don't want to put all the, the blame on Lovin. I, I think it is more down to, to just the disruption. And I'm, I'm hoping um, maybe midweek we, we see Van Dyke and, and Joe Gomez rein, reunited in the, in the centre of the, the pitch because that, that's, that's where we need them to be. And just while we're on the centre-backs, obviously we saw Matip against Brighton, I think it was. Or was it Southampton? I can't remember. We saw Matip in one of the games. Um, if he's now fourth choice... Well, do you think he's definitely fourth choice now? Obviously, Lovren's been trusting these last two games. I mean, what what's your personal take on it? Would you rather Lovren or Matip? I think I think they both have their, their drawbacks and they, they both have their, their positives. I, I mean, obviously for, for me, they, they're... Neither of them are, are in their strongest 11 at the moment. I don't think many people would argue with that. Mm-hmm. Um, nonetheless, I think they're both more serviceable than, than some fans give the credit. And I, I'm all for, you know, I think rotation is, is important. And that's one of the criticisms I've had of Klopp so far this season in that I don't think he has used the squad enough. I mean, you look at Man City and Chelsea and Sarri and, and um, Pep are making a couple of tweaks each game and they're, they're keeping players fresh and at the same time they're, they're keeping their bench players kind of match sharp and that's what you need to do and I think Klopp has somewhat not managed to do that and that's why we've seen in the Chelsea game in the League Cup our, our kind of fringe players or squad players looked somewhat disjointed so I, I think Klopp needs to rotate and I, I wouldn't like yesterday where he made a couple of changes I'm not going to uh, con- condemn him for that because I think it is important to keep everyone fit and, and sharp but I think you need to pick your, your battles and I think maybe Huddersfield wouldn't have been the game to, to do it. I would have kind of brought Joe Gomez back in. But of course to see Lavin or indeed Matip play next week at Anfield against Cardiff, I'd have no issues with it because I, I think it is that that's a game where I, I think they, they can do well and, and we should be comfortable at home. So I just think it's, a, it's about picking the right games. But I can't really, it depends on the opposition. Matip, I mean, last season we seen he had some ridiculous statistics for passes from the back. And I think there's games where we have a lot of the ball where he's very useful to have. Um, but then there's other games maybe where, where Lovren is, is slightly better suited. But um, definitely for me, it, it, it's, it's Van Dyke and Gomez for the moment. Anyway, that's mm-hmm. one thing we can't argue on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's what that's what annoyed uh, people most. It's not the fact Lovren came in; it's the fact that Gomez was moved out. Um, but we'll finish up uh, with these final thoughts. So, Freddie, uh, what were your thoughts on the performance overall, and, and did you see signs that uh, your your league form can improve? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I was so proud of the boys. I think you know 
given our playing squad, we played at our absolute maximum. We deserved the draw, and I think it, I think most Liverpool fans, even the most uh, biased, would have said that we probably deserved a point from the game uh, based on chances created and the way the game flowed. I think a win will come, um, but we just need to make it sooner rather than later because already the vultures are swirling and all the media pundits are saying, I'd have sort of yet to win a game. They seem to repeat it every week, even though uh, Newcastle have yet to win a game and Cardiff only won their first game this weekend and Fulham have only won one game and Southampton have only won one game. So the bottom six or seven are all just as bad as each other. So as long as we get that first win, I think um, that will you know, put us in really good stead for the rest of the season because our performances have definitely deserved it. So I am much more positive after that game than I was uh, the, 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 yeah, the 90 minutes before it, before I went into the game thinking we're probably going to get battered here 3-4-0. or nil. So yeah, really confident um, that we can hopefully get a result in the next couple of games. Yeah, good stuff. And 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 Carl, what what did you what about the performance overall? I mean, obviously what we want to be better in the next few games, but anything to worry about in terms of Red Star and Cardiff? Um, well, firstly, I'd, I'd like to I think Freddie was spot on what he, what he said about Huddersfield. I have to again once just take a last chance to to commend their their fans for for going for for the whole 90 minutes that the players and I think, you know, I would agree a draw. You look at the statistics and there's nothing to separate the teams. Similar shots, similar shots on target, similar passes, similar pass accuracy. I mean, a loss was very harsh on Huddersfield. And I think if they play against that when they're playing the teams lower in the table, that they're going to pick up points. Um, and, you know, although they're definitely one of the teams that are more likely to, to possibly go down, as, as Freddie said, there, there is four or five teams down there that are as bad as each other. So, uh, you know, Huddersfield shouldn't drop the head and, and they should keep going this, this season because they, they do, they can stay up again, certainly. Um, but in terms of our own performance, you know, there's the results. You know, you can take that as a positive. The, the performance, not so much. Some players were, were good as Shakiri, Wijnaldum and Fabinho when they came on, Gomez, um, you know, the, the Sturridge, you know, that some individuals can, can take positives, but the, the team as a whole, I think the, you know, it, it was sloppy. It was disjointed. Um, the work rate wasn't always there. Um, so certainly we, we need to pick up. I think it's, but, uh, I think it's a case we've had a lot of games like that this season, you know, um, Brighton, Leicester, Napoli, which was worst of all. Um, so I'm not sure we've quite gotten going this season. And, and as you said, you, you would have hoped maybe Huddersfield would, would have been the start of something, but maybe the, the international break and the, the couple of niggles kind of prevented that. But hopefully with Red Star and then Cardiff, we can get get a you know maybe a nice two three four nil in there and, and get some confidence going and, and get Salah and, and Firmino and, and Mane once he's back in um back to what they were last season because I, I think that's what we're lacking I, th- I think those players as much as the back four have improved and that's brilliant to see I think we need those three in particular to kind of be our, our talismans and, and kind of drag us by the scruff and kind of get us up closer to, to Man City's level because I mean, we may be level with them on points, but we are 10 goals behind and, and that has to be somewhat of a, a concern because uh, we do have it in us to, to be beating teams, you know, four or five nailed. You know, we showed that last season and I think if we want to be considered, you know, to, to have a, a true chance at the title to, to, to rival City, we, we do need to start scoring goals more freely and, and hopefully that comes against Red Star and, and uh, Cardiff. Yeah, I absolutely fully agree. Um, so before we finish up, we'll come to plugs. Um, Freddie, is there anything you want to share with the people? Yeah, so, so my, uh, I'm co-founder and editor of, of Talk of the Town. So you can find us at, uh, at TOTT underscore HDAFC. If you want to hear me ramble about, um, music and Puddersfield and anything sport related and politics and whatever, uh, I'm at, uh, Freddie C1994. And then I also run a mental health platform uh, called Vent, um, V-E-N-T, where uh, everyone, but especially uh, men and boys, can open, open up about their mental health issues, uh, break down stigmas and start conversations. So we're on all social media platforms, uh, and that's at Vent Help UK. Good stuff, good stuff. Uh, br- brilliant plug there. And um, Carl, anything that we want to plug from 1UP? 
Yeah, certainly. So, um, I mean, if, if you're like Guy and myself and, and you happen to be a fan of video games, and I think even if you're not the biggest video game fan, I think most people are fans when it comes to, to Rockstar games. So uh, we have an upcoming uh, preview for the much highly anticipated Red Dead Redemption 2, which, which should be up early in the week. So I recommend checking that out. And um, if you want to follow me on Twitter for my thoughts on football, I am at KMAC of the Cop, and KMAC is K-M-A-C. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, I, I highly recommend following both of these. Both great lads. And uh, I've been Guy Drinkle. Thanks for listening, and goodbye. Let's get ready to rumble! Sports Social Podcast Network.